everybody, and welcome to the Behind the Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Facetti, and today we are welcoming Sarah McKinnon. She is a senior art director at The Great Group. Hello, Sarah. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no, I'm th- thrilled to have you. Um, you have a you have a story that's very different than many others, and I think everyone's going to really enjoy hearing it. So, um, so we'll just dive right in. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you got into the healthcare advertising world. Sure. Well, I fell in. Uh, definitely did not expect to go into this industry, but it was the best happy accidents that I could have encountered. Uh, essentially, my beginning story actually starts in high school. I had graduated a year early from high school, and I was just so excited to get out in the world. I was just enthused to learn about people and how culture works and and particularly creativity was just where all my passions lied. I I pretty much glued myself to a screen and a bunch of manuals to teach myself Photoshop. And that was my passion was photography and editing and things like that. So um, just to stress out my parents a little bit, I (laughs) proposed going to Italy. I had just turned 18. So I was the youngest in the program. They barely approved me to go um, to this (laughs) allegiant atmosphere. They thought I was insane. They told me to wait another year. But I uh, got out of high school a year early. I ran to Italy to my better judgment. It was great for the food, a little stressful for other things, but I got to go to Florence University Arts where I really got to connect for the first time scientific pursuit as well as photography. The particular institute was really, really focused on how sciences and art blend together. I think that's a lot of the focus for people who particularly went to Florence, Italy. So it was just kind of a a natural default for my studies, which was extremely helpful, uh, you know, years down the road when I would go into healthcare. And so after Italy, I decided to just, you know, give my parents a few more gray hairs. And I said, oh my gosh, let me do New York City best because that, of course, it was just the next big thing that I could think of. And uh, they were really dragging their feet already, you know, proposing going into an art school and now New York City, but uh, they've always been my big cheerleaders. So (laughs) they said (laughs) yes. And I went to the School of Visual Arts uh, in Manhattan and I went there for a year. I kind of honed in my focus more to the visual cue of film and screenwriting. And I did that program for a year and I really started to understand the connection between human experience. I think I brought a lot of my storytelling pursuits to that platform. I have a lot of personal medical and mental health problems that was really the core of my storytelling. So I was really trying to find a way to connect that public health sector that I think was so disconnected in film, but also other artistic mediums as well as just my own craft for storytelling. And that was really what was on my mind for the majority of my film school year. Uh, Fast forward, I had completed a first year of the program, but because of the cost, I was like, I want to stay in New York City because the the networking and the communication and and just the opportunities were so amazing, but I couldn't afford it. So I switched to Penn State University online and I really took a next step into that, you know, healthcare human experience uh, role. And I pursued human behavioral studies um, from a literature standpoint and letters, arts and sciences at Penn State. And so that's really where I started taking my de- uh, degree towards. In tandem with that, I did a lot of freelance work. So I started, you know, knocking yep. on people's doors, literally cold emails, cold calls. I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I literally was eating cans of beans. I was really running out of money. 
And uh, long story short, I was really at the end of my luck streak. I was completely out of savings from what I saved up, my parents could give me. And I was barely getting freelance jobs at the time. And so I'm literally sitting in Bryant Park and I'm crying as I'm ordering on my phone Home Depot moving boxes because I was at the end of my lease. I knew it was over and I had a last ditch kind of random intuition. I'm connected to the Bryant Park Wi-Fi and I decide to hop onto the Penn State Collegiate Opportunities Portal, which yeah. I wasn't even allowed to. I was, you're supposed to only be a senior, but I bypassed my way through as a, as a sophomore <laughs> and <laughs> found the posting for Young Global Awards. I had no idea what that was. I mean, awards were ambiguous to me. I was winning screenwriting awards at the time, but I had no idea what the terminology was in this listing. And it mentioned something about advertising in our direction. I, I had never heard of those things really in my life. So I decided to go for it because I saw the final result was an internship. And I thought, what the heck? So I used the last of my savings money. I canceled the Home Depot box order. I begged my landlord <laughs> for one extra month. <laughs> Uh, the competition ended like three days before my lease ended uh, when the results would come out. So I had like a 24 hour window <laughs> to, to really it. shoot my shot. And um, I had done some set work before, because like I said, I was interested in, in that photography film element, but I had no idea what a, a portfolio was, the campaign book advertising. I mean, what are mock-ups? Um, right. So I just, you know, stayed up all night, drank a lot of coffee. I lived above a Starbucks, so it was convenient. And <laughs> just threw everything I could in a packet. I had no idea what was going to happen. And lo and behold, um, <laughs> I actually ended up winning and I got to choose between the two internships at the time, which was Allison Taylor and The Block. And naturally I chose The Block because that was the New York City option. I had no idea what the internship was. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know, again, what healthcare advertising was. Um, right. And that is how I, I got my first step in the door. Uh, it, was, it was a wild ride. <laughs> that's That's wonderful. I mean, that's, you know, you have those you know, resilience, grit, you know, um, uh, passion, you know, these are all the personality traits of a very strong creative person. So I, I love, I love your story. I, I too graduated early and nothing was going to stop me from doing what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, similar story. I was, I'd gotten a job. I'd already been in the industry a little while, moved to New York and, you know, um, worked for somebody that, you know, let's just say wasn't the best leader and, you know, quit. And to your point, like I was eating, you know, soft pretzels because I was yeah. running out of money. Um, <laughs> and then I, you know, I, I hooked up with somebody that I'd met when I lived in Philly, who was in the pharmaceutical industry and boom, lo and behold, I, I fell into the industry too. So, um, and I never left it because I'm just so passionate about it and it's so interesting, but I love, I love your story. And, you know, that just, goes to show, you know, it's not always easy, but, you know, having that resilience and that drive um, and that passion will get you past those rough spots. And then, you know, there's always a great light at the end of that tunnel. So I love your story. I love your background. I love the different schools you went to. Um, really um, great uh, experience for our industry that probably is very unique. I don't know anybody else that, that <laughs> had uh that that journey so that's thank you for sharing that yeah yeah dollar pizza and passion can take you a, a long way if you want <laughs> and a can of beans yes, for real and rice <laughs> so um all right so now let's move on you chose the internship at the block and how did that go initially since you didn't really have a lot of experience or knowledge about healthcare advertising yes so 
of course, the block was extremely welcoming and they were used to getting a spectrum of interns who had different levels of experience and interest. But I do remember sitting on that first day in one of the conference rooms and we're gathered around and we had to go around a circle and, and tell people how we got here. And most people had a background, either they were getting a degree in marketing or advertising or, or specifically copywriting, or they had gone to an ad portfolio school, or they had parents who actually worked on the, the pharma healthcare side with clients and they were interested in getting to that accounting side or project managerial side. So I'm sitting they're horrified as this, you know, they go around counterclockwise. I'm the last person and I'm sweating bullets. I'm like, what am I going to say? <laughs> uh, I was about to leave New York and then I just, just stumbled in here. Thank you for letting me in. Um, but what ended up happening was I really decided to lean into, you know, what, what was my reasoning for pursuing the health experience from a general standpoint without leaning into the terminology and what an art director was, what the intentions of advertising is, which of course I'd later learn was you know, why am I here? And the truth is it's because I've been a patient for so long and I felt that disconnect as a person. So that's kind of what I leaned into in my first few days. I talked a lot about that and, and just my passion for the visual experience, because I think it's a universal language that um, will stand the test of time. And we've definitely seen that through the years. So uh, that was kind of the, the first couple of days was this whirlwind. And I remember the, the creative director at the time who was a fantastic mentor to me. And he sat me down and he said, you know, this booklet that you submitted for the competition, you can be a copywriter or an art director. So what do you want to do? And, you know, I didn't know at the time that we're making this, this huge decision. And I was like, I, I don't even know what those are, but I guess art direction because I can do X, Y, Z things. And so it was a lot of, of series of having other people around me, you know, provide patience and grace, but also me not being okay to say, I don't understand what you're saying or asking, or also just, you know, sharing some out of the ballpark uh, thoughts and examples. And it was really just throwing things on a wall the first couple months. And people were really gracious to kind of send me along the way, even though I'd have to admit, hey, I don't even know what InDesign is, which is an art director's core tool, um, at least for me <laughs> now. Yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of learning experience, a lot of fear, um, but also this amazing natural caffeine of just excitement of this whole world opening up for the first time. Definitely. I love that. Um, and it sounds like they were just very welcoming and wonderful. So now on to the next question, as someone with artistic talent, who is your greatest creative inspiration? Oh boy. Well, obviously I've, I've had a lot of opportunities to study in very different areas. I've, I've been in rural areas. I've been across the water. I've been in New York and there's a lot of opportunities to look at. And uh, when I first heard this question, you know, I really struggled to, to pinpoint someone in particular, but instead of leaning into someone inspirational within the industry, and I, I don't mean this in a pretentious or huge way, but I actually think about myself in the way of my patient self. And I, I think it's really core for people who have the experience of, of being in that hospital room, being in that weight room, sitting in that doctor's chair to, to bring that emotional uh, ethos experience, the table when we're concepting, when we're creating a brochure. And that is the person I talk to and consult with um, my, my past, my, my present self. I actually just got a boatload of really harsh health news uh, this morning. And I'm going to use her uh, to be my consult moving forward with my career in healthcare. Oh. And um, that is, that's the person I lean into most. And I think it's really helped me communicate as an art director differently. And it's really helped me stay passionate about my craft and also just very aware of um, evolving issues in our culture uh, in the U.S. and internationally, which has really served my career well. So um, if anyone ever has experiences mental, physical within their family, I always try to, to bring that to the table or encourage them to try because at least for me, I found it made it 
quite a huge difference. I love that. It's, and it's always great to be able to impart that, you know, wisdom uh, to others. So that's terrific. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a big difference. Yeah. So um, now this is something that, you know, I, I often ask a lot of creative folks and, and something that, you know, I've had to embrace obviously <laughs> throughout my career is, you know, how to deal with pushback from, from what might be perceived difficult clients or clients that might be hard to, um, you know, connect with on a creative idea. Yeah, that's a big one. And as you progress in your career, regardless of the department that you're in, you're, you're going to have that experience. Now, naturally as creatives, we don't interact with the clients on a day-to-day -day basis, like maybe account or strategy does, but mm -hmm. uh, it's still, you know, a common thing. Usually the stakes are a little bit higher because we've, we've reached this point from working on this internal, beautiful craft to presenting it and giving it legs. And so pushback can at that stage feel really emotionally heavy because we've, we've invested all this internal kind of behind the curtain time as creatives. And sometimes we fall in love with how something looks or feels or communicates. And so for me, the first step I like to take always, um, regardless of who's in the room or for how much time we have is really understanding the whole ecosystem of the conversation. And so that doesn't only imply the brief itself going back to what the clients initially asked for, but also understanding where maybe their hesitations are lying. I personally find when I have fearful reactions or hesitations as a human being, it's because I lack understanding of something. So it's really important that we remember as creatives that our creative language may not translate perfectly to a client. And so I believe that my job as an art director is to be a translator. I'm translating from one medium to the next that includes yeah. improving presentations and ideas. So always addressing the ecosystem, seeing again how um, something looks and feels, understanding the language and view they're seeing it from. And then the second step I like to take is kind of going back to what I said for my previous question is I always like to lead with the statement, imagine this was you as the patient you're holding this brochure. How would you feel? And I know that yeah. sometimes this can play a little bit to that DTC side, but I think it's just as relevant to the HCP because they're human beings. Um, the clients are human beings. Yes, yes. Are human beings. And there really is a chance that, I mean, I mean, it's a hundred percent chance that we're all going to hold some piece of medical material in our hands at some point, whether it's for a loved one, a child, ourselves. So um, I like to give that little nudge and reminder, especially for maybe a higher stakes piece, because I think it just kind of humanizes the space that we're in and we step half step at least away from that business perspective, which is so crucial nowadays because a lot of things have taken on that, that business pressure. So those are my two little, like one, two steps. If I'm able to squeeze it in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is really important. And we need to remember that, you know, healthcare professionals, doctors, patients, they all connect with one another and they, and everyone is human. So, so last question, you know, you mentioned, you know, you had some mental issues at the block and, and, and other health um, uh, issues. And I was wondering if you would be comfortable, like digging a little bit more into that. I know that's very Im important to you. And, um, and I was wondering if you would be open to sharing. Yeah, absolutely. I can just, if that's cool, I can just dive into where that started and where I'm at now, if that's helpful. I would love that. Yes. Okay, great. Um, so for outside of my professional job and I bring it into my professional job when I'm able is I am considered a mental health advocate. I do a lot of work uh, for nonprofits and I, I try to always bring those into my pitches when I can with whatever agency I'm with. And uh, that's really 
been a, a lifelong journey and it is for many people. And for some, it's, it's newer journeys. Um, mental health can come into play at any point in our timeline as human beings. It's, it's not relevant to a certain age group, which can sometimes be a stigma issue. And for me, I was no stranger to mental health. I grew up having blackout panic attacks and I had to leave school often and I had physical illnesses and, and handicaps as well. And some of those physical reactions were due to my extreme mental health. And at the time I had obsessive compulsive disorder and I, I was not diagnosed until a few years ago, which had a very deep impact on my, my social anxiety and my, my ability to function um, as a person. And so when I moved to New York City, which is a high, fast-paced, stimulating environment, mm -hmm. it really matched that high, fast-paced, stimulating mind that I have, but it really added the pressure cooker there. And this is a no correlation specifically to the block and that experience, but taking on that step into professionalism as a young adult, I believe I was the youngest one there. I couldn't even drink with my coworkers because I kind of started my track young. So I was a little bit younger, skewed, and the just overall work stress and, and shifting into things really started to catalyze and trigger some of my, what I now understand as intrusive thoughts, um, which is a series okay. of uh, negative thoughts that can occur. Everybody has them, but for an OCD person, we can become a little bit more attached and ruminated there. And yep. so they really started spiraling out of control. It went from something that would cause high distress to locking myself in a bathroom and drinking tap water for three days um, to being bedridden and having like six bags of trash and like my goldfish would die <laughs> and oh, I would eat yeah. and I would drop like 20 pounds um, over the course of a couple months. And I lived alone. I didn't have any roommates. My parents lived far away. And so unfortunately this issue had progressed so aggressively that I went from a point of just total the depression and, and fear to just absolute pain and distraught. And so unfortunately on Christmas Eve of 2020, I attempted suicide obviously. Um, and thankfully I was not successful. And the reason I tell that story is because of the importance of recognizing the different seasons of mental health and that that particularly catalyzed me to aggressively look for information and research, which is a big part of our job in advertising. Our job yep. is to convey information, convey research. And for me, what helped was I was on a random <laughs> blog post and at three in the morning, I had found this definition that matched with my issues and it was tied to OCD. So then I, I got to undergo treatment and obviously got much better. Yep. And that was all because someone took time to literally write a, I don't know, 700 word blog post about their experience using the keywords that so often are not used in just everyday health classes and terminology as we grow up and go through adolescence. Um, and I think that's a big part of what we do in, in our healthcare sector of advertising. So um, I like to share my story. I've helped a lot of people through their OCD journeys at all, all ages. And um, I'm trying to continue to do that and, and really bring that to the creative floor because it saved my life and I believe it can save other people's lives. Oh, that, that is just a, a wonderful story. You know, I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of creative people, it's, it's in our, you know, it's in our you know, DNA to be empaths. And sometimes that causes <laughs> us to get into, into our heads sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, um, it's what makes our creative work so wonderful, but it can also, you know, um, get a little out of control sometimes. And, yeah. you know, just, <laughs> you know, I have a friend who um, I grew up with as a young child and, you know, we always used to say, oh, she's a perfectionist. She's this, she's that. And it, it was really OCD, but they did, didn't have a name for it back then and um you know even as an adult she's like I struggle with it but I've learned I'm not my thoughts mm. you know and 
Yeah. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, it really helps her and she's, she's, she's doing terrific. I got to see her recently and I'm just so, so proud of her and where she's come. So, um, you know, that, thank you so much for sharing that story. It is, um, I'm just very grateful and I have a lot of gratitude for your Thank you. Um, yeah, education can make a big difference. And I think in the advertising circuit, we have such a big reach and, and touch on culture that it's our job to continue educating ourselves and, and refining our terminology um, because there's a lot of taboos even just within OCD that's thrown around today still that has impact on someone getting professional help. So it's always good to be mindful uh, when we can and it, it does make a difference. And also it's important not to identify your, your self-worth with your job. And so as a creative, it's important that we separate those two things out that while our creativity is a huge part of us and I want to bring as much as myself in as possible, having that separation is also super important and healthy um, and has helped me immensely. <laughs> with yeah. I once talked to a, a creative person who said, you know, um, something like creative people are only as good as their latest idea. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I never really thought of it that way. Wow. And that's not how I feel, but I'm sure, you know, a lot of people may feel that way. And, and maybe I don't feel that way because I'm not as connected to, you know, one brand anymore. Right. Um, and I've just been at this for a while, but yes. I thought that was, um, yeah, I thought I wouldn't that, agree with that either. <laughs> to be honest, but it's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. I mean, look, look at the end of the day, when you're really passionate about what you do and you're a creative person, these ideas are your babies, right? And it can be, um, you know, it can, it can be emotional at times, but, you know, you just need to kind of look at it like what what's going to be the best way to communicate and really resonate and engage and inspire. So, uh, you know, the, but that's a, that's a, that's a, you know, again, I, I, I really appreciate your sharing and, um, you know, it's, it's a wonderful story. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Again, everybody, Sarah McKinnon, senior art director from Gray and, uh, you know, really very much. Thank you so much. I, I loved, I love this podcast and talking to you. Thank you.